Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the 24th of August 2022, uh, and some interesting topics that we're going to be speaking uh, speaking about today. Um, if you if you are familiar with the with the setup of the breakfast show um as you know as, as you as you would be we normally go through we normally go through the the news uh right in the beginning of the of the segment and then right after that we get into our we get into our topics we get into our segments uh what we you know what we're going to be speaking about today as well so firstly after the news we're going to be speaking about uh, cancel culture um it's a it's an interesting topic it's an interesting debate cancel culture can you know in, it can include anything from people with the most money and privilege uh, in our society getting you know getting pushed back for for saying things others find you know distasteful or you know or regular everyday people losing their jobs for relatively minor uh, for minor things for some things which are uh, not even not even sort of big things and this can happen when you know when the target breaks social norms but it has also happened when people have uh, expressed opinions on politics especially sometimes it can be for business or even pop culture uh, as well so that's something in that segment we're going to be discussing cancel, uh, cancel culture and uh, some examples of it as well towards the latter part of the show we're going to be speaking about uh, uh, about addictions and what actually qualifies as an addiction? Um, so it's uh, it's quite interesting as well. What we're going to be speaking about could it be substance abuse? So, you know, you know the, the more relatively known as uh, as drugs, um, different uh, classes of drugs as well. It could be gambling. It could be uh, those things which are maybe not sort of not intoxicants. But it can be other, you know, day-to-day things that we sort of normally do, but we become so accustomed to them, so used to them, that life without them can become quite, uh, quite interesting as well. And, and, you know, some people might get withdrawal effects as well. Something simple, as uh, you know, as having a coffee in the morning, having tea, or various things which are sort of uh, linked uh, towards uh, towards that as well. So. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting topic that we're going to be speaking about. Or that's uh, something that we're going to be speaking about towards the latter part of the show for today. So if you are interesting, if you want to get in touch with us, the number to call in as always is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You can also tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK as well. The lines are open. You can talk to us. You can speak to us, or you can you can get in touch with us via our socials as well on uh, on our Instagram or our Twitter handle, both at Voice of Islam UK. Um, so we'd love to hear from you and your comments as well. We're going to be taking a very short break, and then right after that, when we come back, we are going to be going into our our news segment. We're going to be talking about the news, and uh, we'll be back after just a short break. Al-Bari is a word that emulates the whole of the creation of the universe. Allah calls himself Al-Bari, 
the originator, the maker, the evolver, on three occasions in the Holy Qur'an. He is the one who creates from out of nothing. He is not merely the first cause, He is the creator, the maker, the fashioner. And it is He who exercises control over the universe at all times. Al-Bari creates with no model or similarity and evolves that which is in perfect proportion and harmony without any fault. God is the Supreme Being who exists independently of everything else. He is the sole creator of the universe, the maker of the heavens and the earth. No event occurs in the universe without God's knowledge and explicit consent. He is the ultimate source of every action and happening, animate or inanimate. God has not only created the galaxies and stars, but also the life forms of this earth. He is the nourisher and sustainer of all creation. He is their Lord. The holy attribute of Allah, Al-Bari, captures the creation of the whole of the universe. The quality of creating the universe out of nothingness and then perpetuating it into existence. This wonderful attribute aligns perfectly with the current scientific view about the creation of the universe from the Big Bang and its continuous expansion. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, may Allah be pleased with him, shed light on this concept in his book, Revelation, Rationality, Knowledge and Truth detailing how the Holy Qur'an is the only divine scripture to speak about the continuous expansion of the universe. He states, It should be remembered that the concept of the continuous expansion of the universe is exclusive to the Qur'an. No other divine scriptures even remotely hint at it. The discovery that the universe is constantly expanding is of prime significance to scientists because it helps create a better understanding of how the universe was initially created. It clearly explains the stage-by-stage -stage process of creation in a manner which perfectly falls into step with the theory of the Big Bang. The Qur'an goes further and describes the entire cycle of the beginning, the end, and the return again to a similar beginning. Highlighting the unique qualities of Allah, it is all the more important to ponder over this attribute while remembering Allah in order to attain His nearness and favor. This divine attribute, Al-Bari, depicts a wonderful view of the creation of the universe that continues to astound the modern man.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, uh, in this part of the show, we're going to be speaking about uh, some of the news, uh, some of the news topics, uh, something which has been um, coming into the news uh, quite, you know, quite recently as well. Um, as we, as we normally do, talking, you know, talk about the talk about the weather. The weather has gone a little bit um, significantly, yeah. significantly colder, isn't it? Because it's of the gone rain. back to the usual, you know, British yeah. weather that we're used to. I, I I think I think it's still a little bit. It's, it's still, still yeah, bit, it's still a little bit mild. It's still alright, but it's going back in that di- uh, you know that direction quickly, isn't it? Yeah, quickly, and uh, that that summer period that we that we uh, loved and cherished, <laughs> <laughs> or some of us enjoyed, um, you know, it's, it's 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 coming it's coming to a to a, to a close. You know that you know as soon as. As soon as it turns, uh, as soon as it's August, yeah. and mid-August, the end of August, we're at the end of August right now. Hmm. The 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 time the the daylight hours, yeah. just you know, every day just gets less and less hmm. and less. I mean, the the, the mornings, hmm. um, you know, gets a bit uh, you know gets a bit later, yeah. and then the nights start a bit early. Hmm. Start you know, and then next month, um, in September, hmm. it will just. It will just uh, you know the daylight hours will yeah. be will be you know significantly less as well, mm. and then once it changes, it just changes, yeah. and it just it just gets dark so easy, so quickly. Like December, t- um, November, December time. Yeah, it just like you know you're just walking, mm. and it's four p.m. and it's dark. Mm. It's four thirty p.m. It's dark. Literally, literally. <laughs> it's dark outside. <laughs> literally, and then you're and then you wonder. Yeah, where, where am I? <laughs> literally, literally. Because literally. you know that uh, we, we've spoken about this before as well, like. Uh, on our uh, on one of our on a few a few of our topics like you know like the winter blues and stuff yeah yeah when yeah. the weather yeah, weather, yeah se- seasonal def- uh, defective disorder something like that yeah as well um, seasonal yeah sad or something like that <laughs> you know when you get uh, <laughs> you basically you get, get sad you get a bit depressed because there's no uh, there's no sunlight there's no sun yeah. out yeah and you just because we are programmed to think. To work as if the day has ended once mm. there's no sun out. Once there's no sun out. But yeah. it's four thirty, and you know, obviously, people tend to finish their work at like six, seven o'clock. Yeah. And they will still carry on working, and it's yeah. dark outside. You get home, it's dark, and you just feel a bit down. Yeah. The right? thing is, it's not even dark; it's cold as well. It's cold. It's, as when well, it, when it's definitely. cold as well, it's windy. Mm. If it's raining, it's just gloomy outside, and you, you just can't be bothered. You just, you know, you're, you're naturally, naturally, yeah. you're you just get a bit. A bit. I'm not, I won't say depressed. Hmm. I'll just say you know a bit under the weather. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. That's, that's the right way. Literally, to put it. literally. That's the thing. That's the thing. But hmm. uh, you know, as 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 it is the end of August, in the beginning of September, the you know the the, the academic year uh, will begin for you know for for the youngsters, for the children, um, getting back into that school run as well. Um, so yeah, definitely the summer the summer vibe is coming is drawing to a close. Don't want to burst any people's bubbles, and you know, as as towards you know towards the end of the summer holidays, yeah. Um, children especially, they don't want to. They don't want that that time to come, isn't it? They mm. want to enjoy as much as they as much as they can, um, you know, in the holiday period. Yeah. But then, but then, definitely has to, uh, you know, it's coming anyway. So, get get used to it. Mm. Um, Will be there. There are some interesting things which are you know which are in the news quite recently as well. If we you know if we just speak about um, 
something which is happening in uh, in in Pakistan actually. Hmm. We were just speaking about this, you know, like a couple of days ago as well. Yeah. That there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, you know rural areas in hmm. Pakistan, hmm. especially in the south. Yeah. And they they because of the heavy rain, it's you yeah. know, flooded. Hmm. And I've seen some pictures, I've seen some uh, some videos as well. Hmm. And literally where people used to you know just sit down and relax and you know just the main street. Hmm. Even people's houses have just been washed yeah. away uh, because of the, you know, because of the flood as well. In the last and two months, uh, almost 800 people have uh, lost their lives as well. In Pakistan. In Pakistan, yeah, because of the floods. You know that. You know the the sad thing is, is that this happens every year. Yeah. It happens every mm. single year. As soon as there's a little bit more rain than normal, mm. it's uh, you know it, it it becomes unbearable for mm. them as well. There's no and drainage the, system. The, the government isn't taking responsibility to mm. build you know like a dam system or a flood prevention system, anything like that. And the dra- there's no drainage system. Yeah, well. whatever there is, it's it's, it's next just going to stay there. It's next yeah. to nothing. Yeah, literally. No, as in like when the water comes in, I mean, it's yeah. just it's just going to stay there. Like it's not going to. It's, it's not actually going to yeah. go somewhere. It's not going to go anywhere. That's the, it's that's just going to destroy the houses and just stay there. That's the problem. That's mm. the problem. And it's not. It's not just. It's not just the flooding, mm. which is uh, you know, which is. It's which in is Afghanistan bad. as well. Afghanistan yeah. as well. Yeah, I was saying. You know, it's not just. It's not just the flooding which is the problem. Mm. When there's a flood, mm. and uh, that tends to sort of stay there. Um, you know, until until the water gets dried up or it gets diverted somewhere else. Yeah. You know, the you know there's there's a chance of diseases coming about as well, and mosquitoes coming as well. Hmm. And when those mosquitoes come, uh, they obviously you know they're gonna pick up the 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 the, the bacteria. They're gonna infect people, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but people actually do actually die because of that as well. Yeah. Because of the because of the because of how unclean, how unhygienic hmm. uh, it actually is, and then. Getting people, getting people, uh, first aid or medical care. Yeah. That's also you know a difficult process as well. Of course, you know if it's if there's a whole flood, how are you supposed to get there? I mean, hmm. there's no sort of boat system, <coughs> which is over there as yeah. well, isn't it? Um, even you know inflatable inflatable boats, which you know which uh, people can use at all speed boats. But still, hmm. it's something which is uh, quite scarce in Pakistan, especially in those areas, you know, Afghanistan as well. Yeah. So the it's a, it's a big it's a big big issue, which happens as well. But it's not just it's not just uh, developing countries as mm. well. Sometimes you see over here as well. I was looking at some, um, uh, you know, some pictures as well from, from a couple of days ago mm. uh, when it was raining quite heavily. Yeah. One of the motorways here in the UK, mm. uh, there was a little part where you know it was a one of the or, or it was a little, it was a little bit downhill and then uphill, mm. and that little bit that downhill uphill bit. That was completely flooded on the motorway, so you but know. But this is this is like a thing. natural disaster, right? It's not something obviously we can fight against, but there are steps that we can, you know, take, it, it put in place to make sure that you know not much damage happens, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But for example, like in our country, it doesn't happen that much or that often. Yeah. So there's not that many like you, you know they don't take great steps to prevent it. Yeah, because it doesn't really happen here, because um, in our even in our coastal areas, like mm. the, the sea is not as rough, right? It's or, not as rough. Yeah, yeah, it's not as rough, or it's it doesn't rough. it doesn't rain as much, mm. right? If it even if it does, in over there, like a monsoon came. Yeah. So obviously it's thing. understandable, right? 
why it happened. But over there, yeah. it's literally there's there's nothing. It's just people just have their houses, and the houses are obviously they're gonna get just they're gonna get destroyed. They're gonna get washed away. So many houses, yeah. so many people have lost. Uh, so many schools have been destroyed, so, and uh, you know there's been a big rise in cholera cases as well. Yeah. Because of That's the contaminated uh, water, water and the whole situation, people drinking, you know, the, the contaminated water. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, isn't it? Once uh, if you can't go out to, if you can't go outside, uh, you know, to the shop and buy mm. buy, you know, buy proper food, yeah, uh, or even clean water, what are you supposed to do, isn't mm. it? It's, that's the thing. That's the mil- difficult mil- situation. It says, uh, the Guardian says millions of people have been affected by it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't doubt that. I mm. don't doubt that because the whole, the whole of Sindh, which is yeah. you know in the south, yeah. uh, Karachi, Sindh, mm. all these southern areas, yeah. um, you know, especially the rural areas, mm. the farm areas, mm. they are the ones that have been affected the most yeah. as well. Because obviously, in the city, there is something more that can be done mm. to prevent it or not, or you know, fight against it, tackle it. But in the rural areas, it's a very difficult situation. It's open fields, yeah. open farms. And uh, it's not just people; it's animals as well. Hmm. So you know the cows or buffaloes. It, you know they tend to be buffaloes in Pakistan as well. They have been affected, uh, you know, qu- quite a lot as well. So it's just it's uh, it's a knock-on effect as well. It's not just it's not just one thing which is affected. Yeah, the whole sort of area has been affected as well, and it's uh, it's, it's a lot of different places. Hmm. Also, so that's uh, and because it's a you, you know you mentioned the drainage system. The the, yeah. the water just stays there. It doesn't go anywhere. Hmm. It's like in some places it's still just there. That's the thing, isn't it? There's yeah. no, there's no there's no way to divert yeah. sort of the water in a in a, mm. in a proper channel, mm. or there's no way to actually you know channel it. Yeah. Um. Or there's no dam, as you mentioned. There's no dam mm. system there as well. Even if there is, it's not it's not that great. Mm. And you know you know how it is. Um. And the government sort of doesn't really doesn't I mean even if they do put investment into this mm. we see it happening every single year and we don't really see that much development uh, which is happening yeah you know so that's uh, that's um, that's what it is I mean because of um, just talking about talking about the UK coming back to the UK as well half of UK households face fuel poverty soon Mm. Um, uh, this has been in the news as well and energy as uh, energy boss warns uh, about all of this as well that Britons face a dramatic and catastrophic winter and millions could be plugged uh, plunged into fuel poverty in January unless the government intervenes um, the the new energy price gap will be announced on Friday with experts on Cornwall you know, uh, inside predicting that the cap will hit £3,576 in October. Um, so, you know, it's all of these gas bills, electricity bills, um, energy bills. We, we've been hearing about it, you know, for the past week, for the past weeks, for the past months or so, that the winter is going to be a very difficult situation, a very difficult time for, for a lot of for a lot of uh, for a lot of Britons, hmm. uh, so that's something which you know the government definitely needs to needs to look into as well. Um, I was checking the you know the the actual fuel prices, you know petrol, diesel as well. That's actually significantly gone quite less as well. Uh, petrol, I saw um, some places one seven one. Mm. Some places one seventy. Yeah. Some places one one six eight and one six nine as well mm-hmm. uh, for petrol. 
No, but that's yeah. Petrol's going down because you know, like it's kind of settled in now, and you know they've uh, when it was expensive because you yeah. know they 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 said it was because of the war yeah. and stuff. Uh, but now it's uh, it's just calming down a, l- a little bit. So they they had purchased so much and expensive price. Now I think they've gotten rid of uh, rid of it, mm. uh, majority of it, and now they they're getting new stock. Which is at a better rate, basically per barrel. Or yeah, they've made like new deals and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it's I mean, at least at least that's yeah. gone down, isn't it? Is it you what did up. you mention? Sorry, what did you mention about the price cap? It's uh, it's gonna. I mean, the the experts they actually mm. say that it's gonna go up. Uh, you know, it, the cap will actually hit three thousand yeah. five hundred yeah. uh, seventy six pounds in October. So that's in two months. And it's a uh, bank and consultancies are projecting that the cap will be yeah. lifted above five thousand by April. Mm. Next year, April. Yeah. Wow. So that's uh, you know that's that's like that's a that's a two thousand nearly mm. two thousand pounds nearly just on energy bills. Yeah. So you know y- you can imagine you can imagine mm. about this as well. And the thing is, people who are working on uh, on minimum wage, on minimum wage, what are they supposed to do? Isn't it? It's that, it's peak. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, we were speaking about this before as well, isn't it? That um, that you know, trades union, hmm. uh, trades union congress TUC yeah. has called for action from the government to increase the minimum wage to fifteen pounds hmm. an hour as soon as possible. Yeah, amid declines in uh, real pay due to soaring inflation. That's the thing, isn't it? When you talk about when you talk about, no, but the, you know, the thing is, yeah, that <clears throat> people real uh, need to realize that, yeah. The more the minimum wage goes up as well, the more inflation there will be. They will the inflation because they have to balance out the inflation in accordance to that. And if the minimum wage goes up, yeah. there'll be more inflation. But the thing is, just yeah. as we saw, you know, the minimum wage went up uh, what a year ago or something, two years ago. It's, it's a li- yeah, a little it went bit. up. Yeah. yeah, and inflation has gone up considerably more. Even though, you, but back in back in the. Um, Say around the nineteen fifties to seventies, you know, it used to be quite equal. Hmm. It used to be quite equal, but then it just started. Just the inflation just started going way up in comparison to the minimum wage. The inflation, you know, g- goes up because yeah. uh, a lot of people are borrowing money hmm. from the banks. Hmm. You know, essentially, a lot of people are borrowing money. But one of the things which uh, you know, which these uh, which these banks do, hmm. is they increase the interest, interest rates, rates yeah. to to you know to make it equal. Hmm. But that doesn't work. Yeah. What that happens is is that, you know, there's ultimately a recession afterwards, hmm. Hmm. and that's no good for the yeah. economy. That's that you know that's uh, that's that's bad. But um, the thing is, is that when you're talking about energy bills. And uh, you know, going up to three thousand five hundred pounds, four thousand five hundred pounds in April, next April, yeah. um, as you're talking about, how are those people who are the working class, right? Hmm. How are those people supposed to pay the bills? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you can't expect them to not turn the heating on. Hmm. You can't expect them to not have hot water. Yeah, you, you can't do that. You know, hmm. living in living in a developed country. Uh, these are, you know, these are necessities, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's a necessity for everyone. Hmm. But I mean, you can't even imagine that, uh, you know, so a household in the in the in the developed world, right? Let's just say talking about London. Yeah. How can how can a house not have heating? You know what I mean? Hmm. That's you know that's 
if you if you say if you say that uh, if you say that you know all oh, these households you know they they don't have any heating or they can't turn the heating on because you know the energy bills are so so mm. much i mean that's um, that's a basic uh, necessity which uh, which you know they're being deprived of yeah. you know the current minimum wage for workers uh, who are aged 23 and over is 9 pounds 50 mm. um with lower rates of young employees obviously as well and uh, the thing is is that TUC says that every worker should be able to afford a decent standard of living which is quite right you yeah. know everyone should have a yeah, decent definitely, standard of living definitely. you know it's uh, how can you how can you deprive one one mm. class of society when they are the ones who are literally working the most yeah. you know, working yeah. class they you know they're working the most isn't it mm. yeah. yeah so like uh, the before before tax yeah um you would get around 16200 something odd pounds a year you uh, that's how much minimum wage you would be before tax uh, sorry uh, i mean uh, after tax yeah. after tax so, so that's after, what you yeah. that's the actual that's, money that's the actual that's money, the, actual money. money uh, that you get. the total would be like around 19000 something but yeah. after tax you get around 16000 so if they're saying by april uh you know the bills energy bills will go up to 5000 yeah right that's almost a third of your salary gone just on that just on that just on that that's and the, and that's there's, the there's a lot of households who have just one earning member hmm. then they have their uh, they have a like their wife who is a housewife she has to look after like three or four children hmm. right yeah in all of those cases th- the guy is left with a, a third of his salary hmm. he has to provide for them he has to you know obviously food c- clothes all those necessities basic necessities then he has to pay for his own like petrol or transport obviously or everything he's left with nothing in left fact he nothing. will go into debt yeah he will have no choice but to borrow from the bank in order to just to just to live just to live just a, to a live. basic standard a basic life. standard life yeah and he is out there struggling working um he or she whoever they are they're out yeah. there working full time yeah that's the thing isn't it yeah that's uh, you know that's the that's the scare as well hmm. that's the scare and uh, when you, when you know when you talk about when you talk about the minimum wage as well hmm. um you know even if it does go up yeah. right there are people who rely on uh, uh on you know on, on the socials as well hmm. they rely on benefits yeah and uh, you know if you know if the minimum wage goes up hmm. and then they get deprived of the of the benefits that they you know that yeah. they that they that they would enjoy right now hmm. Then that's also a difficult situation for them as well, yeah. because sometimes, as you mentioned, it's just one earning member in the house, mm. but they are, you know, they work working on minimum wage, but they're also relying on these benefits to come mm. in and sort of help them support them as well, so they can have but that basic standard as well. But there's been cuts on like uh, universal tax credit and all of these uh, that's uh, the benefits thing, isn't as well. There's been cuts on that as well. There's been cuts. There's been cuts everywhere, isn't it? So. Once you know, during the COVID period, was uh, you know they the government did good because they gave they increased they increased the universal credit and all mm. of this as well. So that was good as well. But yeah. then now it's gone back mm. to normal. Mm. But uh, you know, you know there has been ups and downs in regards to this as well. But mm. what I'm trying to say is that those people who actually rely on these things, mm. they 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 genuinely need these funds to yeah. come in and help them support them. If if they get deprived of that just because the minimum wage has gone mm. up by f- f- 4 pounds yeah or you know whatever then is that's also a difficult situation no, but for you them have as to, well. you have to think about it that if it, you put 
up four pounds for every four pound for every single person mm. ends up being billions. That's that's you know that's right. That's true. But the question then goes yeah. to you know where does the money get spent anyway? You know, mm. then it's also about budgeting. Then yeah. it's about yeah. where does the money get spent into? Mm. You're putting, you're you're cutting down on the NHS. On these, you know, these roadworks that we see. Every yeah, day. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally, literally. I'm not saying they're not necessary, but you know, they take so long and yeah. they're just they're grueling and. Um, yeah, I know. It's yeah. sometimes, sometimes, sometimes temporary traffic lies are just a bit of a hassle. Sometimes you go past mm. these, uh, you know, these and they're there for weeks, weeks, yeah, yeah. weeks. Uh, the one in <laughs> the one yeah the one the, uh, in on, Merton in, in yeah on our way to work on our way to work yeah, in, there's, it's been the there for, for, for like a month I think if longer if not more I think yeah longer. if not more I think longer no, they're doing patch the, the, the road is long but they do patches so they do one patch then they'll move up the road they'll do another patch to move up the road but you know that, I, I mean, they're, all they're doing, I think they're just repaving, right? Or are they changing the pipes no, no, as well? No, no, I no, think, I think they're just changing the pipes they're just changing I don't the even pipes. think they're changing the actual road Oh, I don't even think no, they have to repave it. They can't put the broken. Obviously, no, no, yeah. no. But only that only bit. only the, the only pipe. That yeah, bit. of course, of course. So you know, but the thing you know what I was gonna say. I mean, we're going off on a little bit of a tangent, but mm. sometimes you see, sometimes you see, uh, roadworks going on. Yeah, I mean the signs are there, the temporary traffic mm. lights are there, mm. but then you go past and you see no one working there. Yeah, no one working mm. there. I mean, why can't you just get people who are just mm. working there twenty four seven? Yeah. You know, obviously, obviously not you know, the, the same people, different people. The efficiency in uh, countries such as China, yeah, and um, I think in I believe in Japan as well. Japan. They'll they'll build if a, like a bridge breaks or something. Yeah, the next day th- there'll be a new bridge, a new <laughs> hospital, a new school next to it, <laughs> literally built in one day. Yeah, the efficiency over there is just you know it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. And you know what's that, one other good thing about Japan as well. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of good things, yeah. but you know, th- sometimes sometimes it's good to actually look at other countries and the mm. way they run as well. Mm. You know, we see a lot of strikes yeah. in on the tube, on yeah, the yeah. buses, all of that, mm. right? And that is so un- fine. I I, I agree mm. that they you know mm. that they need mm. to get more funding. I agree with that. Yeah. But hundreds and thousands of people are being affected mm. by that. Mm. What they do in Japan is that say the 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 bus driver or or, or on the train, mm. right? If they if they're on strike. Mm. They will still do their shift, yeah. but they just won't take the money from the customers. So people get to their place on time, but they won't. They, they will refuse to take money from them. So, so, so if you go on the bus, okay. you know how you have okay, to tap yeah, on yeah. the bus. They, yeah. they will reject that. They'll say no, no don't, don't tap on the bus. So the company gets affected, isn't it? Mm, the company does get affected, but like the then the the, the here, yeah. you're not coming in on work because you're working on a salary, right? Yeah. Because that you're you're not gonna get paid like if you just don't come in, you're not gonna get paid. Yeah. Right? But that's that's different over there then. That's that's a different system. It's a different yeah. If the company is getting affected but here then then what's the point of you coming in as well? That so the people don't get affected. Then you're not getting paid yeah. and you're coming in. Yeah. But that's but no but you will get paid, yeah. isn't it? You will get paid to come in, obviously. No, you won't. How why not? Because they they won't get paid. Why would they get paid if the company's not getting paid? How would they get paid? I don't. I'm not sure about how it's run like that, isn't it? Mm. But what I'm trying to say is that at least the people who are using those, uh, you know, using the yeah. public transport, yeah. at least those hundreds and thousands of people, mm. at least they're getting to their work on time, isn't it? Mm. And if they must be getting paid, that's why they're doing it. They won't be doing it for free. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. They won't be yeah. they won't be driving the bus for free mm. or driving the train or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, some interesting uh, news topics. Uh, we're going to be taking a short break, and right after that, we'll get into we'll get into our first segment. Uh, so join us after after a very short break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The promised Messiah peace be upon him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, As no garden can flourish without water, no faith can be considered life without good deeds. It is meaningless to have faith without righteous actions. Likewise, good deeds without faith are a vain display. According to Islam, heaven in fact is the reflected image of our faith and good deeds. It is not something new which will be delivered to man from outside. In fact, it is created from within him. Each man's heaven is born out of his own faith and good deeds, which he begins to experience and enjoy in this very life. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, God Almighty has divided his wonderful universe into three categories. First, the world which is manifest and can be conceived through the eyes and the ears and other sensory organs, directly or indirectly, with the help of instruments. Secondly, the world which is hidden and which can be understood through deductive reasoning and hypothesizing. Thirdly, the world which lies even farther than the hidden world, so hard to conceive and almost beyond the reach of imagination. Very few are those who are aware of its existence. That is an entirely obscure world which cannot be conceived through deduction, but is only imagined. One can have access to it only with the help of spiritual vision, or revelation, or word from God, and not by any other means. As is evident from the unchanging will of God, manifested in nature, one can safely deduce that as God has provided man with the apparatus to understand the first two categories of his creation mentioned above, similarly he must have provided man with the apparatus and instruments to conceive that world of his creation which is mentioned under the third category. And that apparatus, as we have already mentioned, comprises spiritual vision, revelation, and the word of God. This mode of communication can never be conceived to be inoperative or to have ceased altogether in any age. Nay, but those who fulfilled the prerequisite have always been gifted with this and will continue to be gifted with the same. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. When you stand up in prayer, you should know it for certain that your God has the power to do all that He wills. Then your prayer will be accepted and you will behold the wonders of God's power that we have beheld. Our testimony is based on seeing and is not a mere tale. How should the supplication of a person be accepted 
And how should he have the courage to pray at the time of great difficulties when according to him, he is opposed by the law of nature? Unless he believes that God has power over everything. You should not be like that. Your God is one who has suspended numberless stars without any support and who has created heaven and earth from nothing. And would you think so ill of him as to imagine that your objective is beyond his power? Such thinking will frustrate you. Our God possesses numberless wonders, but only those observe them who become wholly his with certainty and fidelity. He does not disclose his powers to those who do not believe in his powers and are not faithful to him. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As I mentioned before the break, that we are going to be speaking about uh, uh, about cancel culture. And as we, we we spoke or gave a little introduction to that uh, in the beginning, cancel culture can include anything from uh, from people with the most money and privilege in our society getting pushed back for saying things others find disgraceful, or to you know to to regular everyday people losing their jobs for relatively minor things as well. But as cancelling became more widely used on social media, it has grown into a way. To call on others to reject a person, or uh, or that sort of individual's business as well, and this can happen when the target breaks social norms. But it has also happened when people have expressed opinions about uh, it could be about anything, could be about uh, mainly about politics, could be about uh, business or pop culture, anything else, um, uh, you know, anything which which has a a strong following. I uh, can say as well. And in segment, that's something that we're going to be speaking about as well, giving some examples for that uh, for that as well. Now, there are some news articles that we uh, that we actually got uh, some information from as well as from the BBC. According to when it was first being used uh, among young people on the internet, sort of you know talking about cancel culture, cancelling was a way to say I'm done with you. That's it, I'm done. But as cancelling became more widely used on social media. Has grown into a way to call on others to reject a person or business as well, and this can happen when the target breaks social norms, uh, as we, you know, as we, you know, just spoken about uh, as well. Um, cancel culture, according to Kimberly Foster, who's the founder of the website for Harriet, who has uh, widely written about uh, cancel culture. The term is used to apply to a range of actions. He stated that cancel culture can include anything from people with the most money and privilege in our society getting pushed back for saying things that others find disgraceful to regular everyday people losing their jobs for relatively minor infractions and um, this can this can be seen as uh, uh, as Pavel Polinich co- uh, created a new page on social media called uh, Karen's Going Wild this uh, this refers to the to, to the meme Karen and a lot of people, a lot of people may actually know about this as well. When there's a Karen, when someone who's uh, you know sort of being being a bit of a, a bit of a nag, then uh, they call that particular person a Karen. And Karen is a way in which a you know which was resulted in them being cancelled. And this could this could mean and this could mean that their social status would be affected 
as well as the you know as well as the employment and incidents of um, of racist behavior across the you know across the globe especially across the UK got public attention and he says that he wanted to wanted to form a safe place for those who filmed the videos to to publish them the account which has more than 700,000 followers on Instagram posts images and videos of individuals behaving in prejudiced and uh, bigoted ways it was received so many submissions that Mr Paulinich created a second backup account as well however critics of cancel culture say that it is the equivalent of letting an angry mob decide a person's fate and that it and that it uh, stifles um essentially free speech preventing some from uh, voicing opinions out of fear they will sort of you know that they they might get personally attacked and this is supported by a lot of people uh, in fact uh, Denise uh, Graziano who's the chief executive for for marketing from Graziano Associates right or not people have such a a a propensity to make a statement or make a comment without knowing all the facts and that you know that i mean that is something which uh, you know which we speak which we which we hear about uh, which we hear about uh, as well um there's other examples of uh, of cancel culture as well that you know that we can actually talk about as well cancel culture uh, from you know from another article we got from the bbc uh, refers to a form of uh, ostracism or which someone is removed from social media or from professional uh, circles as well and this can be online or it can be in person as well so it's not just something which happens online it can happen to you know in real life as well i mean social media is real life as well but in person uh, as well and those subject to the this ostracism are said to have been cancelled and the expression cancel culture has mostly negative connotations and it, uh, and is used in debates on free speech and censorship as well there are several consequences of being cancelled such as a loss of friends acquaintances dismissed from employment opportunities as we you know as I just spoke about as well and this can also include the denial of a pla- of of a platform uh from which to share their you know to, in which they can actually open up and share their views as well an example for uh you know being the uh, an example being the former US president Donald Trump uh when Twitter permanently banned his account from uh, from the site Twitter chief executive um validated this decision by tweeting having to take these actions fragment the public conversation they divide us and says the president i feel is dangerous the power an individual or corporation has over a a part of a global public conversation and uh, you know that was you know sort of interesting as well which happened to uh, what happened to donald trump uh, as well when he was president uh, join us after the news break as we're going to be speaking about uh, continuing this topic as well and uh, speaking to some of uh, you know some guests that we have uh, lined up Uh, as well but it is interesting let us know what you think about this as well the number to call in is 02086877878 you can also tweet to us at voice of islam uk or or get in to get in touch with us on our instagram page which is also voice of islam uk join us after the news break
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Uh, as we're talking about uh, cancel culture, and it, it is quite uh, quite interesting as well. Um, as I mentioned before the before the news break, that we are going to be speaking to some of our guests um, uh, after the news break as well. Uh, we're delighted to to say and confirm that we have Ben Page, who's the chief executive of uh, Impos, who joined M- MORI Maury in 1987 after graduating from Oxford University as well, and is one of the leaders of his first management buyout in 2000. Peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show, Ben. Good morning. Thank you so much to uh, for, you know for joining us this uh, this morning and speaking to us. Um, to begin with, could you briefly explain to our listeners what what the term cancel culture actually means? We spoke a little bit about this as well, but if you can get your your sort of uh, take on this. Well, I mean, I think the def- definition would be when there's somebody uh, you are thinking of having speaking mm-hmm. on a subject, and then very simply you cancel them. Uh, what has has been alleged by some people, more on the right of politics than on the left, but from both sides, is that people who hold views that are unacceptable are now no longer allowed to speak, particularly in academic situations, but in general. And But the word cancel, of course, implies stopping somebody, asking somebody to speak, and then after complaints or protests, removing that invitation. And, uh, mm. you know, you, you see this a lot in the area of trans rights, for, for example, right, around transsexuals. But mm. it's certainly the, wor- the word cancel culture has become much more widely understood in the UK and the United States over the last seven or eight years. When we look at how often it's mentioned in the media, uh, there's about eight to ten times more coverage of this now in 2022 and there was back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. So when we when you talk about council culture, specifically towards an individual, or it could be towards an organisation as well, what are some of the effects of that? Do they just get cancelled out, or they, you know, just like we mentioned before that uh, Donald Trump, when he was the president, his sort of uh, Twitter account got blocked. Um, is it just uh, the the account gets blocked, or is it can it happen on a wider scale than that as well? Well, no, I think it's it's this general idea in a society that people, certain people, won't accept other people expressing their point of view, and therefore you get into a situation hypothetically where people don't want to talk about certain subjects. Uh, immigration could be one. Um, because they feel that their views will be unacceptable to other people. And the, the, I think the tension is around, you know, should everybody should be able to speak freely of their, about their views, mm. and everybody else should respect people's respect rights to speak freely. But, of course, there are limits. And I think what those limits are is what is being debated in our societies at the moment in, in the West. In, in some countries, of course, there are lots of things you can't talk about. In Russia, you can't talk about the war in Ukraine because mm. there isn't a war in Ukraine, according to President Putin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, it depends on where on where you are as well. Um, Absolutely. 
Can, can you, for, for our listeners, to summarise the, the aim and key findings of your research, culture wars in the UK, how the public understands the debate? Right. Well, I think the first point is that around half the public believes that the country is divided by culture wars. So that still means a lot of people um, don't disagree. But nevertheless, around half of us think that. And the other point is that the proportion of people who've heard of cancel culture um, has risen markedly over the last two or three years. So when we first did the study, which I think you're referring to in 2020, Hmm. we had around half the public who said they didn't understand what the word woke meant or the word what cancel cultures was about. Hmm. By 2022, that figure had halved. And Hmm. back in 2020, so only two years ago, we had the public basically divided over whether calling someone woke was a compliment Hmm. or an insult. And two years later, after a lot of media attention, many more people now see being woke uh, as an insult rather than uh, a compliment. Interesting. That's interesting. Um, it's, It's interesting how, you know, social media has, you know, can actually... Have uh, have a have a positive or a negative effect, and can sort yeah. of uh, structure people's ideologies and the way they think uh, as well. Um, just speaking Completely. about absolutely. Just speaking about uh, social media. Yeah. How has sort of you know, the, the media affected cancel culture? No, absolutely, and I think what's what's clear is that the media and social media, and, and in a sense, you it's it's quite hard to separate social media from the media these days because Hmm. when you go on Twitter or Facebook a lot of it of course is the media for most people is the media themselves anyway and journalists for example love Twitter they're all there chatting away all day so I think what's interesting is the public recognise this so three quarters of the public say the media make our country feel more divided than it really is Hmm. Um, and People also say, by a margin of four to one, that politicians invent or exaggerate culture wars as a political tactic. Hmm. So they they are real, because only 12% of people say that they're just on social media and not in real life. But we also recognise that actually it's the media themselves and politicians who are driving a lot of this, because they want attention. Hmm. Part of their agendas or ideologies as well something that they want to promote um exactly when we i mean of course people have disagreements i mean that's what makes us human isn't it i mean not everyone yeah. agrees on everything um, yeah and it's okay to disagree as well but what are the alternatives then to cancel culture well i suppose you just say anybody's allowed to say anything they like hmm. um without uh with, with no limits and i think we do have we do have laws about inciting hatred um, telling you know if you're going to say that people should physically attack somebody that is you know that that is the line that we have in this country um, some people in some religious in some religions would like stronger rules around you know you shouldn't be able to say I don't know God doesn't exist or something which in some mm. countries again is illegal um, but not not in Britain yeah. um, but that that is that is where we are I, I don't think I think this will be continually debated because the values of Britain are changing. The society is becoming much more diverse, hence your radio station, for mm. example. Yeah. 
um, but we are, but we're not settled. And I think this is uh, the key point. We have today alive people who um, grew up in a time when, for example, it was illegal to be gay in Britain. Mm, yeah, um, it was when I was born. Uh, but in terms of how public opinion is in Britain as a whole, uh, two-thirds of the people in Britain today say that it would be fine if Prince Harry had married a man rather than Meghan Markle. So society is changing, and there are different groups. Younger groups in society, whether they are religious or not, hold very different views than people born before 1950, for example, mm, on yeah. some of these issues. And so these problems in some ways don't exist as much in some societies that are much younger than this society because you've got people who've all grown up in a similar period. Mm. <laughs> Whereas in, you know, one of our challenges is this very big gap between young and old in Britain. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if, if it's just me who thinks this as well, maybe other people think this as well, that generations are becoming, they, 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 there's a new generation after very few years yeah. Um, and then those, you know, the new generation, they can just be four, five, six, seven years younger than, the, you know, than the previous generation. But their ideology is completely different. And the way they think is completely different as well. Um, so when we talk about council, I mean, something that we're speaking about as well, yeah. who who is sort of in charge then to, to cancel <laughs> someone? That's a... Well, it, I mean, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, it's, well, it's ultimately it's the organisers. When we're talking about this in most contexts, it's people yeah. invited onto radio shows, TV shows, or particularly to give speeches at mm. institutions, yeah. often universities or, or societies of various sorts. And then there is a protest, and the the you know the people who've invited the speaker then say, "Ah, I'm sorry, you can't speak, so you're cancelled." Mm. Um, and of course, it also has a broader effect where. Some people will say, despite them often being well-known journalists or people who appear in the media quite often, that they are suffering from cancel culture because they're, you know, they, they aren't invited to speak in various places. <laughs> there is a slight you know, irony that often they're quite well-known people who claim that they're suffering from this. But either way, the idea is either you're cancelled or you don't get invited in the first place. Mm. Uh, and that is, I think, that's what the, the debate is about. And so, you know, I mean, it's funny, the, civil, the, the government, of course, is keen to promote anybody being allowed to speak in universities, but at the same time, or particularly people with, with a more right-wing opinion, but at the same time, of course, is making sure that civil servants check the um, social media channels of uh, speakers in Whitehall departments to make sure they haven't said anything negative about the government ever. Mm. which um, seems to be a tension. And I think on both sides, you know, free speech is something I agree with uh, and um, outrageous or illegal speech is something I don't agree with. So there's a, there's a sort of tension there. Mm. Interesting. It's a defined line uh, as well, a very, a very narrow line. Ben Page, thank you so much for, for joining no us. Problem. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Have okay. a lovely day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Ben Page, the Chief Executive of uh, Impos. Uh, thank you to him. Um, very swiftly, uh, moving on to uh, moving on to our next guest, uh, who is on the line with us as well, Sergi Samuelenko, is an assistant professor, assistant professor in the Department of Communications at George Manson University. Peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show, Sergi. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for for joining us. So, um, how how would you define cancel culture? Uh, well, uh, this is actually a very good question because, 
everybody's talking about cancel culture, but nobody uh, knows what cancel culture is. And this is really interesting here. Well, I see cancel culture personally as a social conflict that involves discussion and uh, re-examination of some uh, moral values and views on history. And cancel culture, uh, well, we have to distinguish between uh, mm. cancel culture as a social phenomenon yeah. and the trend that is going on mm. and so-called the strategies of cancellation, mm. which basically uh, how uh, some of those um, cancellations being executed online. Yeah. Because what we see a lot of things happening online and uh, obviously, when we have to look at cancel culture, we have to understand why uh, this social phenomenon has occurred. Hmm. And it's linked to a lot of other trends like polarization in society, um, conflict between uh, ideological uh, views, and also generational conflict. Because uh, if you look at OK Boomer, it yeah. would be also seen as a cancel culture. Hmm. And uh, the, you know the term Karen as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, you, you know, you teach a course titled Cancel Culture in Public and Political Communication. How did you design, you know, this course and what's the goal of the course? Well, uh, t- uh, first of all, we wanted to respond to this um, uh, social trend, social phenomenon, and explain um, why we uh, have to even... Um, kind of make sense of this uh, of this phenomenon hmm. because in a sense uh, a lot of my students keep on talking about cancel culture yeah. and what I've been seeing that um, a lot of uh, attempts to cancel someone or to ostracize someone come from inability to engage in civic discussion hmm. and debate and that kind of to me was a little bit um, upsetting as a professor of communication because we really want to uh, uh, battle things like incivility and character assassination. And as a co-founder of the research lab of character assassination at George Mason University, I thought that was my personal challenge. So we wanted to build a course, first of all, to explain to students what they've been dealing with look at cancel culture as a social Mm. phenomenon and to understand first and then figure out ways how we can counter some of those negative impacts of cancel culture. Yeah. Um, How how and when and also why do you think cancel culture has become so prominent um, in today's society? Well, um, um, some forms of what we call cancel culture has always been around Mm. because if we look at history uh, the attempts to erase someone from the memory Mm. or exclude someone from social discussion have been always been out there you look at mm, uh, ancient times when uh, Roman emperors who were um, basically gone were Mm. erased from coins and their uh, statues were destroyed you can look at the Soviet times when the uh, some of the past communist leaders were erased from history. Mm. So basically, this attempt was we call narrative banishment. Yeah, always been out there, but because of the social media, a lot of uh, basically what we call cancellation has been recently become prominent to uh, 
kind of online movements. Hmm. And in, in that sense, actually, uh, the attempts to uh, cancel someone has become associated with social justice hmm. uh, because of inability of the system to basically um, make some people accountable. Like, for example, the Me Too movement yeah. was a very good, positive movement in order to um, correct some issues of um, uh, well, structural issues, right? Hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, basically, in that sense, yes. So, cancel culture as a social phenomenon, as a way to uh, provide social adjustment, was totally legitimate. However, uh, the downside of some of the social movements is that um, very often they just help to pinpoint some um, personalities and maybe. Um, find a few scapegoats who indeed need to be held accountable, but they rarely uh, do anything about um, uh, real long-term structural changes. Hmm. But in that sense, for example, Me Too movement was really good because it led some companies to re-examine their uh, organizational policies and their uh, habits and their practices of uh, um, dealing with gender issues. Hmm. So you know, in in t- in regards to this, um, a lot of uh, like celebrities or you know like well-known people, they're quite nowadays they're quite afraid to voice their opinion on uh, social media platforms or anywhere else, and uh, because you know they might get cancelled, and um, because of this, you know, um, there's some comedians out there who joke about this that you know a lot of people in today's society are um, they to use the term snowflakes. And they say that the, the the tolerance that used to be there isn't there, and people can't speak about stuff openly anymore. What what's your opinion about this? Well, uh, I totally see this as a, as a negative trend of cancel hmm. culture because, um, indeed, uh, we sometimes see um, some ways how uh, cancel culture is being exercised. As uh, uh, well, first of all, it involves. Um, the process of calling out and uh, uh, public shaming yeah. and also uh, silencing hmm. and deplatforming, uh, which also goes back to um, inability to engage in some, some debate and the uh, civic discussion. Hmm. So, so in a sense, yes, it could be seen as a, especially online, as a new form of uh, censorship. Yeah. But uh, what I would like to point out here is that it's not only about uh, angry mobs hmm. and people who are trying to seek justice. It's also uh, about the algorithms of those social media platforms like Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and cancel culture is linked to Twitter because it actually uh, encourages this kind of uh, communication simply hmm. because uh, it, it's profitable. It yeah. provides clickbait, and since social media is these vessels of uh, dispersion, hmm. in a sense, it benefits uh, from uh, hate speech, from negative communication, from outbursts, outbursts of um, moral um, outrage. Yeah. So in that sense, we also have to look at basically why it has become possible, and it simply has become because of actual social media and the way uh, the business model of social media 
uh, is done. Um, do you think it's um, only a social media phenomenon or like are there other aspects to it as well? Well, as I said, uh, well, some of the forms of uh, cancellation or cancelling uh, has been known for many, many centuries. Yeah. However, like erasing, silencing, and uh, mm, uh, basically um, narrative banishment. However, mm. obviously, social media has become has has made it more uh, more efficient, yeah. more prominent. Um. So, in regards to this, um, you know. There, there will always be some sort of cancel culture around whether it gets renamed or something else happens. So, what is the Absolutely. what is the like you know better alternative uh, for people to voice their opinions and for people to you know get their rights of freedom of speech yet in in line with respecting other people's opinions as well? What is the better alternative? Well, we uh, have to, well, I see education Hmm. and I see media literacy as two key elements, how we can actually battle this, because actually it starts from early on from from school. Hmm. So we need to actually uh, teach uh, some of those basics of communication, of debate and of uh, media literacy early on, uh, helping um, students recognize some of the bad forms of communication or destructive forms of communication. And in fact, uh, me and my team were working on the way how we can actually teach uh, media literacy and media ecology in in, in high schools and uh, recognize some of the uh, vicious forms of ad hominem attacks. I think by uh, by doing so, we will benefit like future generations. Thank you so much, Sergey, uh, for joining us this morning and you know shedding light o- upon this topic. Would love to have you again on some time. And uh, for now, take care, goodbye, and have a good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So that was uh, Sergey Samuelenko, um, who's assistant professor in the Department of Communication at the George Mason University, and you know he shared some really great information in regards to cancel culture and uh, you know how we can tackle it and what you know needs to be done in uh, what needs to be put in place for it to be because it's it's, it's not something that it will always be around but it's not something that's the correct form of yeah. how things should be done and uh, rightly so he said that you know we, we, there needs to be a proper education in place for children from the beginning so um you know that stem isn't there isn't inbuilt with them from the beginning. Instead, they go on the right path. Absolutely, education is yeah. uh, is key as well. Hmm. Um, we we have uh, we have an audio clip that we want to play for play for our listeners as well um, of His Holiness speaking about uh, uh, talking about uh, in in the address at the Humanity First conference. He discusses the importance of empathy and understanding towards others in uh, in today's day and age as well, something which is uh, very vital uh, for this day and age. Let's listen to that right now. The Holy Quran has instructed Muslims to help and aid those who are vulnerable or in need, irrespective of their caste, creed, or color. Furthermore, There are countless traditions and sayings of the Holy Prophet that illustrate how how he spent his entire life serving mankind 
and striving to inculcate the same spirit of sympathy for others within his followers. Certainly, the Holy Prophet was an everlasting source of mercy for mankind. And through his blessed, uh, blessed words and deeds, he shone an illuminating and everlasting light upon the magnificent teachings of Islam and demonstrated that serving mankind is an inherited and truly fundamental part of our faith. For example, Islam instructs us to protect, uh, to protect and support orphans, to help those who are traveling, to provide for the needy and underprivileged, and to care for those who are suffering from ill health. Also, Islam teaches that one's neighbors have great rights upon them. Muslims have been taught that they must treat their neighbors with grace and compassion and be ever ready to help them in their times of need and grief. In one well-known tradition, the Holy Prophet said that the angel Jibreel had so strongly emphasized fulfilling the rights of one's neighbors and treating them with love and sympathy that he came to think that perhaps they may be included amongst the amongst a Muslim's <coughs> rightful heirs. Furthermore, the definition of a neighbor in Islam is extremely vast and far-reaching. It not only includes people who live nearby, but also includes people who live much further afield. A person's travel companions, work colleagues, subordinates, and many others besides. In reality, the scope of one's neighbors in Islam is so vast that all members of society can be considered our neighbor. And so, striving to help all members of society to overcome their pain and anguish is the religious duty of an Ahmadi Muslim. That was His Holiness, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, um, talking, uh, t- telling us that uh, we need to have this uh, this sympathy towards mankind as well, towards humans as well. When we talk about uh, cancel culture, um, our previous guest uh, spoke about this as well, our, our first guest, uh, sometimes saying something which is uh, you know against a particular religion is is illegal in different countries and that's you know that's where the blasphemy laws uh, you know actually come in but if we if we if we talk about if we actually speak about specifically about Islam mm. um, and uh, talking talk about the blasphemy laws um, you know in Islam there's no such blasphemy law I mean there's no punishment there's no punishment mm. for, for, for blasphemy. Mm. If you say something against God, mm. um, I mean... That, God will basically take care God of it. God will take care of it. Mm. Um, whether he wants to punish you in this world yeah. or in the next world, that's mm. up to him. No man or mm. no sort of uh, justice system has yeah. the right to, to sort of say, you know, mm. or, or, or punish that person mm. for, for, for being blasphemous yeah. against, that, uh, against that God. That matter is left to God to exactly. deal with. Exactly. 
but definitely, you know, when mm. it comes to when it comes to uh, freedom of speech, that's a whole different topic. Yeah. But uh, because it's linked to this mm. freedom of yes, there should be freedom of speech, but also there should be a sort of uh, you know you should look at the other pe- the other person's uh, feelings as well. Um, you can't just say anything about someone's uh, you know so someone's loved one. So why would you say something about uh, what gives you the right to say something about someone's religion as well? I mean, it's just not a nice thing to say. People mm. should have the decency, and you know the moral values should be. You know, should be at such a standard where we don't hurt each other. Hmm. Um, you know, by our by our words, as, uh, you know, especially as well. And this is where education comes in, as we spoke about before yeah. as well. So education is uh, definitely key when it comes to when it comes to this as well. Um, we're going to be taking a short break, and uh, right after that, we'll be getting into our next segment, uh, which is about uh, intoxications. What actually is an intoxicant, and what uh, you know, what are different. Uh, ways in which we can you know get away from this uh, as well we'll speak about this right after a short break a new station the voice of islam with live discussions religion and culture understand the true teachings of islam with the voice of islam persecuted for your beliefs jailed for your faith and exiled from your homeland but you refuse to turn to bitterness or vengeance. Instead, His Holiness has emerged as a leader of wisdom and compassion, a champion of nonviolence among nations. No society can truly succeed unless it guarantees the rights of all of its peoples, including religious minorities. Whether they're Ahmadiyya, Muslims in Pakistan, or Baha'i in Iran, or Coptic Christians in Egypt. I would like very much to confirm my support for the work that His Holiness and the Amity Muslim community are doing, particularly in London. Even I didn't know when I was elected, then my name even will be proposed. The election is the same as the Pope is elected, but without smoke. I know you are a regular uh, visitor and speaker to parliaments and assemblies around the world, whether it's the US Congress or the, or the European Parliament. Let it be clear that I am not speaking in support or favor of any particular individual country. What I wish to say is that all forms of cruelty, wherever they exist, must be eradicated and stopped, regardless of whether they are perpetrated by the people of Palestine, the people of Israel, or the people of any other country. In this we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace. I'm very glad that our movement, yours, will do something to correct this image. Islam means peace. I should thank Your Holiness for your highly enlightened sermon, not only for the Ahmadis, but I would say for all mankind. Love for all and hatred for none. And this message not only for Muslims, but for everybody. You are a man, though of humble beginnings, your leadership has made you a figure of global prominence. And you have become a guide for millions of Muslims worldwide. Selections from the writings 
of the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam. Hearken ye who have ears to hear. What is it that Allah requires of you? Only that you should become his alone and set up no equal with him, neither on this earth nor in heaven. Our God is the one who is alive today as much as he ever was. Likewise, he speaks today as he did in the past. He hears as he used to hear. To think that he only listens but does not speak in this age is a vain belief. Indeed, he both hears and speaks. All his attributes are eternal and everlasting. None of his attributes were ever suspended, nor will they ever be. He is the same unique being who has no associate. He has neither son nor wife. And he is the same eternal being who is peerless, and there is none like unto him. There is no one similar to him in his attributes. None of his powers ever wane. He is near, yet far. Distant, yet close. He is the highest of the high. Yet it cannot be said that there is anyone below him farther than he. He is in heaven, but it cannot be said that he is not on earth. He combines in himself all the most perfect attributes and manifests the virtues which are truly worthy of praise. He is the fountainhead of all excellence. He is the all-powerful. Everything good originates from him, and to him all things return. All possessions belong to him. In him all excellences combine. He is free from blemish, without weakness. He is unique in his right to be worshipped by all who dwell on the earth or belong to heaven. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. I'm talking about uh, addictions. Um, now, addictions are, it, it's not just. It's not just something which is uh, a substance that you take. Mm. Of course, you know mm. you can take a substance. You can take uh, you can take drugs. Uh, you can take coffee. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's not just it's not just drugs. Yeah. It's not it just alcohol. Chai as well. Tea. It could be. Yeah. It could be. It, it could, could be, be anything. Day to day things, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Day to day things so that have be, become. You could be addicted to your phone. You could be addicted, addicted to your phone. To, exactly. to using your computer. Yeah, that's Addicted true. to watching stuff. Addicted to playing games. <laughs> It can be anything that you know. It, uh, you're so used to. You're so used to, and it does chemically. Your brain, you know, um, produces like uh, um, endorphins <laughs> or whatever. You know, whatever you call them. That it stimulates your brain, yeah. and you get that happy feeling w- when you're doing it. Like and chocolate. if you, yeah, like having chocolate. Yeah. And if you don't do it, you could go into like withdrawal. <laughs> yeah, you could get like headaches and you know like and obviously in terms of when you take intoxicants when you take uh, actual like uh, you know drugs then yeah. it's much worse. Of course. Uh, it's like especially your body the, shuts for the down. Addicts, for yeah. the addicts especially. Yeah, your body will literally shut down. And that's why you can't let go of it straight away. You have to do it like let go of it gradually, a little bit gradually. gradually yeah. Yeah. 
but obviously that's it's it's very hard it's very your hard body, it's a long process your body basically makes you think that your it, it technically requires it for it to function mm. but you have to flush it out of your system mm. gradually but in terms of uh, you know small things like um, drinking chai or being addicted to your phone mm. that's more doable but even that is quite hard obviously you can't compare the two things but you can be addicted to anything yeah essentially essentially yeah. isn't it and uh, it is interesting as well that it's not just it's not anyway uh, people do think that yeah it's uh, you know it's uh, it's alcohol mm. it's uh, is drugs or various other forms um like this but it can be it can be literally anything in day-to-day activities or day-to-day things uh, which have become so become so used to yeah. um in your life that if you don't if you don't have them that you know you can you can sort of panic as well some you know there's you know there's like uh, there's a uh, I don't know what it's called but there's a phobia of mm. of losing your phone yeah yeah and uh, you know so, some people literally this is real mm. that people have this phobia that mm. if you if they if they lost their phone they're going to you know I don't know what what they what they would do it's not it's not just that as well but also there's another thing where people have to you know look at the screen hmm people have to look at the screen yeah. f- after every you know every every, every 30 seconds yeah. or minute 2 mm. 3 minutes they even if they don't get a notification yeah. even if they don't get a message even if nothing happens mm. to their phone it's just in their pocket yeah. or it's on their desk or mm. whatever they would just look at it yeah. they would look at it, oh okay that no notification even though they know, mm. they, know. they haven't received any yeah. notification but mm. they'll still look at it and they'll then they'll, check. they'll just put it back just in case or sometimes they'll unlock their phone and they'll just swipe left and right mm. won't do anything mm. put it back mm. and that's become a norm yeah. that's become a norm um <laughs> so you know it it is it is um it's quite dangerous it is quite uh, quite dangerous uh, as uh, as well mm. um talking about uh, you know sort of alcohol and substance abuse as well addiction can uh, come in the form of a person spending time evolving with the you know with, with any sort of substance um or or and that can change their behavior as well um that person who is sort of uh, using it mm. and it, it sort of affects it i mean it does affect them in the in the short term as well as the long term as well short term of course yeah. and then in the long term because they we get so used to it that when they trying to get rid of it mm. it becomes so difficult for them as well you can't just stop uh, you know stop it mm. straight away as you mentioned that you know they they their body That's why there's so many you know so many used to it. um what are those um the rehab rehab yeah, programs yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and people keep on going in and out in and out like they'll relapse they'll go back into rehab yeah. they relapse and then the same same thing happens over and over again but you know I'm delighted to say that we do have online with us our uh guest with us this morning professor Reinhard Weers from the University of Amsterdam who is a professor of development psychopathology good morning and welcome to the breakfast show professor good morning it's a pleasure to have you on uh just uh, could you briefly explain to us what qualifies as an addiction yeah easy, easy question <laughs> uh not always so easy to answer yeah uh there's actually quite a lot of debate about it Hmm. Um so traditionally addictions have been um equal to uh yeah excessive substance use yeah uh with all sorts of problems 
accompanying the excessive use. Hmm. Uh, they are like social problems, isolating yourself, uh, not being able to uh, fulfill your obligations. Uh, there's a whole list of this type of things. And then traditionally also there's some physical aspects uh, like tolerance. Yeah. You need more and more of the same substance to get the same effect. Um, and also withdrawal hmm. aspects, which often are countered by using the same substance again. Yeah. Um, lately, also behavioral addictions have been, uh, well, I, I would not say included because there's still a lot of discussion about it, but hmm. gambling, there's no discussion. So yeah. that's also qualifies as an addiction. And of course you don't eat your chips there. So it's not only about uh, inhaling or ingesting hmm. stuff that's purely psychological. Yeah. Um, and then excessive gaming in one of the yeah. uh, qualification systems, the World Health Organization is now also an, a sort of official diagnosis, but not in the other. Hmm. And then there is a whole range of other behaviors like uh, porn addiction, um, excessive smartphone use, hmm. where people debate about the use of calling that an addiction, really. Yeah. Um, could you please share with us uh, your main research interests? Yeah, so... I am very interested in addictions, um, also broader in mental health issues. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of overlap between addictions and other mental health problems and also between addictions. For example, um, the most treated addiction is alcohol use disorders. Yeah. But actually a lot of people with alcohol use disorders die from lung cancer hmm. because they also smoke. Yeah. So one of the research questions is really, uh, in the older days, people tended to leave the cigarette alone because then they would still have that if they get off the alcohol. But now hmm. most people think this might not be a good idea actually, yeah. because it might also stimulate them get back to the alcohol. Um, yeah, because there is a thing called cross sensitization yeah. and of course, it's uh, very harmful for your health also. Hmm. Um, so what I've been interested in is the cognitive and neurocognitive processes. Yeah. So what changes in the brain and mind when people get addicted? So that's hmm. one thing. The other thing is, can we also, through targeted interventions, help people to change back again? Yeah. Or to... You could also look at it in a different way to progress to, say, a, a different mental state by leaving uh, the addiction behind them. Hmm. So that's uh, my own primary interest. Yeah. That I also lead, together with another professor, Claudia Buchting, hmm. the Center for Urban Mental Health uh, at, in the University of Amsterdam. Yeah. There we work with scientists from a lot of different areas hmm. so from mathematics and modeling to social sciences medicine um, neurobiology 
Yeah. And the idea is to kind of model interactions between different levels of description hmm. that affect urban mental health. Yeah. And so we know that, for example, if you live, say, in a bad area, um, you might uh, encounter negative social interactions, maybe discrimination, things like that, that will also affect stress reactions. And you might more easily get mental health problems. Yeah. And then if a lot of people in an area like that develop problems, so which you could also describe as a more neurobiological level, hmm. then that will also again affect say the neighborhood so you have all these kind of complex interactions yeah uh, that on the one hand we try to describe and on the other hand we try to also intervene with hmm. so it is from very theoretical to more practical so we work together with the city of amsterdam and with uh, a lot of different organizations and trying to set up new interventions also yeah uh, Professor, would you say that genetics uh, plays a role in addiction? Yeah, but there's no doubt about it. Hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that this predisposes you to addiction. Yeah. Um, so there's different ways you can estimate a genetic contribution or heritability. Um, one rough way is basically comparing monozygotic and dizygotic twins hmm. and then you see that um, if one of two monozygotic twins gets addicted yeah. to whatever then the chance is higher that the other twin also gets addicted compared to when it's dizygotic twins so that tells you that there is some genetic factor there hmm. Uh, and you can estimate it, and it's roughly about half the estimate. Yeah. However, um, if you look at those genes, there's some of them that relate to personality, which we know is also, well, between 40 and 50% heritable. So yeah. if you're very impulsive or a high on sensation seeker, this increases your chance that you develop substance use problems later on. Hmm. maybe also some of the behavioral addictions. Um, but again, it's not like this has to be the case because, and there is the other part, and that is a lot of the other genes affect how you react to a substance. So if you have one variant of a nicotine receptor and you start smoking, chances are bigger that you get addicted and also... Uh, have a harder time quitting addiction. Hmm. Famous example is also uh, with alcohol, uh, that a lot of Asian people yeah. have a gene which basically protects against alcoholism hmm. because you feel very sick right after drinking. Yeah. So that's very handy <laughs> uh, in a world where, you know, there's always a beer around the corner. Yeah. So then, you know, it can go both directions. Hmm. The overall story is um, part of this is through personality and that you can also influence with, say, early education and stuff like that. Yeah. And part of it is through reactions to the drugs hmm. 
And those are only become relevant if you start taking the drug. Yeah. So maybe I have the perfect genetic makeup to become a heroin addict, but if I never try it, we will never know. Hmm. Definitely. What well, What would you say are some of the you know best and most successful uh, means of overcoming addiction? Yeah. So I really think the key point is to envision yourself a different future hmm. and there are techniques that may help you to develop that yeah but that's the key thing um you have to see a different perspective hmm. and a different future of yourself without the drug or you know the gambling or something and then basically elaborate on yeah. that picture and then there are all sorts of techniques that may help you get to that goal but mm. without that goal it's pretty useless so you you have to believe that you one day in the future that you will be like uh, substance free if if that's your goal huh? maybe your goal is to uh, cut down mm. and once in a while have a drink if you uh, if alcohol is your substance yeah um, but the important thing is that you have to have this vision of where you're going hmm. and then there are some pills that may help some people with smoking and it's nicotine replacement yeah um, there's therapy of course all of it helps but the crucial thing is and some therapy forms like motivational interviewing actually help you also developing something to go to yeah a goal but that's really the important thing and then the other things may help you along the way to get there say uh, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, with my lab we developed training programs that help people if you add it to the addiction treatment yeah especially for alcohol then it helps them to uh, remain abstinent yeah but only in the context of addiction treatment. So what we found is that typically about half of people relapse after a year, and if you add this training, then that reduces by 10%. And that's about the effect size you also get from medicine, um, for therapy in general. Yeah. So we're not there yet, but there are effective ways to treat Mm. Um, but again, you know, the I think the crucial thing is to uh, envision yourself in a different future. Yeah, and for some people, religion helps there. Hmm. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, there's different ways, but without striving for a goal, hmm. I don't think any of those treatments will really help in the long run. Definitely, mm. definitely. Mm. Thank you so much, Professor, for shedding light upon this topic. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, for now, take care and have a good morning. Thank you for joining yes, us. Yes, you're most welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. So that was Professor mm. Reinhard Weirs from the University of Amsterdam. And, you know, he. Uh, I never really thought about this in, in this sense. You have to... He put a new take on it, mm. in, my, in, in my opinion anyway, that you have to envision yourself in the future that 
you you have to set a goal that you are willing to quit or mm. you are willing to cut down you have to have that in the fu- you future you can't be half-hearted yeah. Yeah. you can't be half-hearted without a plan in place without a goal in place yeah. you won't get anywhere you won't get anywhere yeah. definitely um let's listen to another audio clip uh, which speaks about this as well hmm. um uh, which is you know quite interesting yeah. as well Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed may Allah have mercy on him discusses the same issue during a question and answer session when a doctor asked him why Islam forbids the drinking of alcohol. Well, I think you should have told me better than I should have told you. You belong to a society given up to drinking. And you should know the negative points of this uh, free access to alcohol by society, which suffers from so many evils concomitant to this habit. If you study the analysis made by some police investigators into the reasons of crime, the root causes of crime, you'll be surprised to find that one single root cause which is predominantly prevalent is, is drinking. And it has its bad effects, sometimes so very obviously visible, sometimes it has invisible bad effects which somehow takes the peace away from the society, it makes, leaves the society restless. In so many ways, we can study the, uh, the evil effects of alcohol. For instance, first of all, the wastage of money involved is huge. Once I was surprised to discover that the money spent on el- drinking of alcohol, all sorts, in one day in Britain, if diverted to the then dying Sudan of hunger, would be sufficient to maintain their food requirements for one year. I was astounded. This habit of drowning oneself in alcohol is given the new, has resulted in the new generation of drug addiction. You see, this is human psyche. You want things for certain kicks and for creating an artificial atmosphere around you which can lift you from the hard realities of life which are not so pleasing. So one means of forgetfulness, self-forgetfulness, is sometimes no longer effective. There are other means which gradually creep into your daily experiences and which make you forgetful of the world around but also give the added illusion that you are flying high in the celestial spaces and enjoying this lifted sense of lightness and hovering around the space. This is what the drugs do generally. So, the drug addiction results in daily crimes of mugging, of housebreaking. The youth which has got addicted, they must somehow fulfill the craving for these things. And the whole society becomes restless, unsafe. That was the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed. May Allah, be, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, have mercy on him. 
Um, that's uh, you know that's our show for yeah, today. Just um, like to briefly mention, uh, yeah. I'd just like to briefly mention. You know how the professor even mentioned is um, that for us uh, especially, Culture, you know, uh, religion, religion, religion yeah. really plays a big role in this. So uh, by the grace of Allah, you know, Islam has uh, given us such beautiful teachings as to how we can avoid this and how we can walk the right path, the path of Allah the Almighty. Of course, and as explained to us by yeah. His Holiness as well, just uh, just now as well. Yeah. I mean, thank you for, for all of our guests who took time out and mm. uh, spoke to us uh, today. And of course, our producers and researchers. Uh, today's show was produced by Adila Amber Ahmed and researched by Mehrish Dogger, Navira Khan, uh, Marushala Ahmed as well, and of course uh, uh, Akib in the in the in the tech studio. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.